Welcome to the Bucket Problem, episode 15. I am not sure how much longer I am going to keep count, but I am your host, Ace Ambender. Uh, it is Tuesday, September 28th in the evening, and I am here uh, with Alex Cook and Dan, a.k.a. Thick Stauskis, to run down a uh, 2013 win over Rutgers. That does not sound great when you say it, and it didn't feel great when we watched it. But Michigan is 4-0. And they're uh, creeping up towards the uh, AP top ten. They're they're in the top fifteen ish, I think. I didn't look at it again after I wrote my article th- earlier this week. Sorry about that. Um, Pretty sure it's fourteen, but I could I could also be wrong because I haven't checked either. Thank you, Alex. I, 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 that sounds right. Um, yeah, fourteen eight, is right because I check every day. It's uh, I, I get notifications when the ranking changes. Cause it's all I care about. So. The, Dan, our <laughs> resident sicko, I should have just asked. Uh, Michigan eighth in the SP Plus rankings, um, and actually all the way up in fourth in the uh, combined F Plus rankings on Football Outsiders. Uh, let's pretend that didn't happen. Um, I didn't check those. Somebody else did. Uh, yeah, uh, it was not a good game. Um, in that Rutgers outgained Michigan, uh, three hundred and fifty-two to two seventy-five, and that two seventy-five is a pretty hideous number for the offense. And we're left kind of with this—I uh, I mean, not so fun feeling afterwards, and um, somewhat familiar feeling, I would say, from past years um, of dissecting a win that was not particularly fun to sit through in any way whatsoever and might portend bad things for the future. Uh, at the same time, um, this team is 4-0, and and they've, uh, I mean, they did lead this game throughout. They have not trailed in a game. I am now pulling this number from my head because I should have pulled this tweet up beforehand, but I believe this is the first time Michigan is 4-0 without having trailed since 1973. Uh, so that's... Um, that's not nothing. Uh, but it, you know, 20 to 13 against Rutgers, uh, in a game where Cade McNamara looks worse as the game goes on and the running game that had just demolished everybody else, uh, never really gets it going. And the play calling feels, uh, just not, uh, dynamic or, uh, interested in keeping Michigan ahead by more than one score uh, for most of the game, and that was uh, that was pretty frustrating. Uh, so, Alex, um, I'm going to throw it to you first for uh, uh, to kick off this week's uh, big moods. Yeah, and uh, before the podcast, I was trying to determine what my big mood was, and I kept on coming back to the mood I felt while watching the game, which is dread. Um, it was a dread that reminded me of the 2013 Akron game, which you mentioned. Michigan barely escaped that one, but uh, handled Rutgers a little bit more easily. Um, the first half, you know, that was a continuation of the non-conference portion of the season. Season Michigan was dominant, really paved Rutgers on the first series, just ran the ball right down the field and into the end zone. Going to halftime up 20-3, to three, uh, you leave four points on the table with a missed throw right at the end of the first half, but you're thinking, okay, uh, you know, it's going to be a comfortable victory. Michigan's looking good. Everything's fine. Second half starts, the teams trade three and outs, and then Rutgers goes on a really long uh, touchdown drive to, to cut the deficit to 10. Michigan goes three and out again. 
And Rutgers moves the ball well for another two drives, but winds up having to settle for field goal attempts. Um, the second drive was uh, one that ended with a missed field goal after a false start penalty inside the 10-yard line. The drive that wound up being a made field goal, Rutgers, Michigan really got bailed out by a missed pass interference on third and goal. They wound up kicking a field goal. And as all of that's unfolding, Michigan continues to go three and out again and again and again. It it feels like Rutgers is going to come all the way back and tie this game up, potentially pull off an upset. And even though Michigan did wind up winning, did wind up putting together a pretty decent drive in the, late in the second half to kind of salt the game away a little bit. It was hard to feel good about it. You can take a step back in the cold light of day and be like, okay, seven-point win, win's a win. Rutgers is maybe pretty decent. Um, I think on defense especially, that might be fair to say. Um, but during the game itself, all I could feel was dread. I mean, a fair, a fair feeling during uh... – significant portions of that game because that that second half uh it kind of crept up slowly and it did not feel uh excellent to just uh not be able to increase that lead um i am going to give dan a break because he has had a long work day and throw my big mood in here uh because i kind of flipped in the opposite direction a little bit um i was you know, if you um, have subscribed to the bucketproblem.com, which uh, I should have said up top, please do that. Um, if you are listening to this podcast, we are uh, inching closer to 300 subscribers, uh, which is pretty fantastic. Um, we're going to call them the 300 because nobody's ever done that before. Um, pretty sure that's Dan's favorite movie. You know, quite possibly. <laughs> It's very good. It's a good movie. We're not going to talk about that on this pod, but um, happy. And we will have off-season debates about the movie 300, directed by Zack Snyder. Oh my God! Um, great cinematography. Great cinematography. As as quickly as humanly possible. Uh, I like. Obviously, uh, you know what to expect from uh, the fans when, and I include myself in that number here uh, when. Uh, you beat Rutgers by seven. Um, the the reaction's going to be mostly negative, uh, especially in a game where Michigan can't crack 300 yards total offense. Um, but also, as I mentioned uh, in my article this week, every team in the country outside of Alabama and Georgia has had a game like this. Most of them have lost at some point. Um and as our friend Ben Mathis Lowley put in uh, one of our group chats, uh, you kind of just you, you kind of have to step back and look at it like, okay, is this 2013 Akron where like the performance was alarming in a way that portended really terrible things for that team, or is it like something like 2016 Colorado where uh, Michigan has to come back from a big hole against a team that? Uh, you know, the season before had not been very good and heading into it, uh, you know, people didn't think too much of them. But, uh, you know, within a month, that victory and at the end of the season, that victory looks a whole lot better. Um, Michigan's lowest win probability in this game was 72.8%. Um, and I think a lot of the bad feeling around this game comes from the fact that Michigan was playing Rutgers and Rutgers 
is associated with terrible football and for very good reason. And also when, uh, you know, it does not matter whether it's a decent version of Rutgers or a bad version of Rutgers, when uh, the college football internet goes, hey, look, Michigan is in danger of losing to Rutgers, everyone is going to come look, and they're going to make fun of you. And it's not fun to be a Michigan fan in that moment because everyone is just waiting for you to fall flat on your face, and they're waiting for you to get mad if you're a fan. Um, And... I mean, there were a lot of mad Michigan fans online. We were easy pickings uh, on on Saturday, but at the same time, I you know this might be easier because uh, I was watching the game uh, with my girlfriend and somebody who d- did not really, I mean, cared about the outcome, but wasn't like super invested in it, and I just felt like pretty tranquil the whole time because even though. Uh, the offense did look like crap in in the se- second half. Um, for one, it was one bad half against a defense that now ranks in the top 25 in SP+. Um, and for another, it was it was the first like bad half Michigan's played all year. And if you were going to have one, it's nice to have one after you've built a 20-3 to three lead. So I don't love that the coaches – kind of seemed to go into a shell, but at the same time, uh, um, there have been a lot of really good football teams where one of the big overhanging problems is like coaches a little bit conservative. Like uh, that's like a very common football problem. So um, I kind of think if, uh, if this had been like Indiana instead of Rutgers and the exact same game had played out, uh, Michigan fans would feel a fair amount different just because of, where those teams were supposed to be heading into the season and uh, just, like, what uniforms they wear. But um, those teams might actually be kind of swapping places in terms of, like, where they should have wound up. Um, Or at least uh, Indiana's dropping towards Rutgers territory. Um, But, yeah, I just... uh, I'm not ready to have particularly strong reactions to this game because Michigan got control of it early. And then, yes, sat on it way too hard. And, yes, Cade McNamara missed some throws. But it feels like I, I don't want to overreact too much to something that comes down to a handful of plays in the second half. Um, and some frustrating drives against a defense that gave up a total of 13 points uh, and one touchdown. And Rutgers had to work pretty dang hard uh, to get all of them. There was not a, a major breakdown at, at any point on the defensive end. So, um, yeah, it, it, it feels bad because it's Rutgers, but uh, when you just try to strip stuff away and, and look at it, uh, you know, as Alex said, in the cold light of day, I don't feel that bad about it. Um, and I'm at least ready uh, to take it in the context of Michigan's three other games that happened and even the relatively dominant first half of this game. And then I, I, I'm far less concerned about this team, especially when you look around the conference and look at what type of concerns those teams have. Um, Dan, I'll kick it to you before I ramble any longer. Uh, Yeah, so my big mood is um, sobering up. Um, So I watched this game uh, in the classic way. I met a friend at a bar um, and uh, we had a great time for the first half and probably had a few too many beers. Um, And I spent the second half 
uh, sobering up both from actual alcohol and from the first three games of Michigan football, which have been um, unabashedly great. And it felt like the first time, you know, I was sobering up in a real sense, but I was also sobering up in the sense that it was the first time that, you know, like I contemplated like, oh, Michigan is like not having, like not the best possible thing is happening to the football team right now. And Michigan like could potentially lose. And it's, it's like, I, I remembered like, Oh yeah, like that's why this is like so brutal every year. Like I was like, I was like, oh man, like this is this rules so far. And I'm like, oh yeah, there's there's bad things that can happen too, which like sounds you know silly to say, but it genuinely like when you see your team like do so well for three straight games, like your brain does kind of go like, oh yeah, they're gonna actually win every game and like never face any adversity. Um, So you know. I think that I think I was like by the end of the game I was like fully in like a dark place where I'm like that like this is just the same team over again. But then like you have to remember, you know, I mean we're going to talk about it a little bit more later, but I think something to remember, something that, you know, my high school coach uh told me, you know, which I think does kind of ring true is like you're never as good as your best game or as bad as your worst. Um and I think like you do have to take, you know, Michigan season thus far as a weighted average of like, you know, A, what we've seen this program to be over the past seven years, which, you know, mostly good with some very notable bads. Um, And then, you know, what they've been this season so far, which is almost entirely good with a couple of worrying signs. And yeah, I mean, I fully agree with Ace that, you know, were there some red flags in this game? Absolutely. Um, and I don't think, and that's, and by the way, those red flags may fully lose Michigan games this season. I'm oh, not saying yeah. like, like, I'm not even saying like, oh yeah, the, the red flags aren't a problem. No, the red flags will be a problem, but this is college football and, uh, Michigan is in Alabama. And I would say like, yeah, pretty much every other team in the big 10 has had, um, with the possible exception of Penn state has had some pretty big red flags. Um, so, you know. Uh, we'll, we will see how things go, um, and we'll probably talk about it more in the next segment. And at the end of the day, Michigan is 4-0. and It's easier to learn those lessons after coming up with a, you know, maybe closer than expected win. And yeah, at the end of the season, pretty much every college football team that manages to end with double-digit wins, which is, I think, something that this Michigan team could do, Almost every every team that comes up with double digit wins has a close shave here or two here or there against an inferior opponent. And to Ace's point as well, Rutgers may carry some additional stigma relative to the rest of the Big Ten's <laughs> bottom dwellers. And I, I think Rutgers Deservedly. may be may be better than those teams this year. But yeah, um, there are some red flags. I think the exuberant optimism of the first three weeks has faded a little bit, but four and feeling pretty good heading into Wisconsin. I think everything's still in front of this team for this year. Yeah, and, we, and Wisconsin's a good team to bring up because uh, they're one and two at the moment, and, and that was a team that was supposed to be uh, very much in contention for the Big Ten West title because they are every year, and right now uh, they're on the back foot. Um, at the same time, it's going to be interesting because uh, they're ranked uh, – pretty highly in the advanced stats still and while some of that is preseason stuff still being baked in uh, that defense still looks pretty good and in retrospect holding Penn State to 16 points looks pretty solid 
at the same time, like, I, I mean, I look at, like, I, I did this in my article this week, but just, like, running down the list of the AP top 10 teams, you look at it, or or if you're looking at, like, SB+, either way, once you get past the top two, you're looking at a bunch of teams where, like, Ohio State, we have detailed a lot of their problems on here. Um, most recently, a uh, player just quit in the middle of their game against Akron. It was like, uh, oh, you're not putting me in? Uh, no thanks. Going to leave. Bye. And and then he tweeted, F Ohio State. Yeah, yeah. Um, deleted that one. But, uh, yeah, he's not on the team anymore. Um, Florida, uh, Emory Jones is not looked good at quarterback when he's been throwing the ball, running the ball quite good. Uh, but throwing the ball, um, he's under six and a half yards per attempt. Penn state quarterback by Sean Clifford, uh, Oklahoma. They've been chanting for, uh, the backup quarterback, um, when the starting quarterback headed into the season as the Heisman favorite. And they've had three close shaves against inferior competition out of their four wins. Uh, Clemson is two and two, um, and probably just out of the playoff race already. Uh, Can I say ACC is butt? <laughs> Sorry, no. Go go for it, Dan. Can I just say it's kind of funny um, that uh, DJ Uilangalale. I think I actually got that right, but it that do, doesn't strong. matter. Yeah, that was pretty it, good, DA, man. <laughs> thank you. Uh, that that kid is. Uh, I'm not going to say it twice. Uh, that <laughs> he <laughs> he is um, in like a national Pepsi uh, commercial or national Dr Pepper commercial, and is just very bad. Um, I just. That is kind of like a look. I, I wish all the best for the kid, and I'm glad that he had got the NIL bag. But it is funny to see a guy like on a national, like you know, a national commercial every Saturday, and just be like, "Oh yeah, that's just like a bad football player." <laughs> it's like in the <laughs> NFL when like Baker Mayfield gets like a huge, like a ton of endorsements, and then the Browns have a really crap year. Uh, well, Baker, because... Baker Mayfield's good, but yeah, that, that's <laughs> I know true. What you mean. Uh, but he had he had like one of those seasons where it was like, "Are we sure Baker Mayfield should actually be in all these commercials instead of?" Like, right. Know, yes. Lamar yes. Jackson. And then they had that same question about Lamar Jackson. So I don't know. It football's weird. Uh, speaking of which, uh, the number nine and number ten teams in SP Plus are Arizona State and UCLA, um, and then you hit Wisconsin, who's one and two. So I don't know. It's like Cincinnati's a top ten team right now. Should they be by talent? Probably not. Uh, by record, I guess. I don't know. But um, beating Indiana looks less and less impressive by the the second um as we'll get to um and uh that seems like a great time to bring up that this podcast is brought to you by home field apparel use the promo code bucket problem for 15 percent your 15 percent off your first order from homefieldapparel.com uh big new saturday concluded uh with a pretty uh strong ucl or usc launch i was about to make a lot of people very mad um that don't listen to the podcast um but uh yeah, um, I don't have too much to add here. Uh, I ordered two of the same shirt from them because they, they printed out um, uh, a bite-on USC shirt with a, with a dog on it. And um, if you put a dog on a T-shirt, I will get it. So um, now that Big New Saturday is over, remember now is, now is the time where, uh, you know, Homefield can start collecting those requests for, you know, more niche-specific uh, apparel like say you know a wolver bear on some joggers so you know keep that in mind and uh remember that their twitter handle is at homefield apparel without the last e in apparel um sorry connor um but there's no connor here today uh speaking of which happy birthday to our connor uh who is not here because of that um 
and is probably upset that I just uh, unleashed that upon the world. Uh, but um, we're wishing him, in, him that anyway because, you know, he's one of us. We love him, and uh, we appreciate him doing this. And we're going to do uh, these uh, these takes now. Um, I wanted to start off with, uh, like, kind of continuing a conversation uh, about kind of how to contextualize this game, and that is that kind of the big problem, and we've touched on this before, um, often when we're talking about hoops, um, and it's actually significantly worse in football, is by the time you get any sort of, like, usable sample on these guys, their career is over, or the season's over, uh, if it's a team. Uh, Like, we are working with, like, just vanishingly small amounts of data here to use. Cade McNamara so far this season has thrown 53 passes, which is about as much as like a Texas Tech quarterback would throw in a game. Um, That's not a lot to go on. He's averaging like over 10 yards in attempt. Uh, But when you look at it, it hasn't felt as good during the game because there just hasn't been that frequency. Uh, There have been some misses. Um, It has felt like the play calling has protected him a little bit but uh, I, I'm i still not ready to dismiss out of hand that the guy has yet to throw a pick and is has shown pretty decent capability of hitting guys downfield except in the second half of this game which happened to coincide with a, a pretty big hit that he took so um, maybe that had something to do with it I don't know um and that's kind of the thing is you have so many of these like small trials and then you're stuck trying to figure out also all these other events that happened during it. Like was the hit on Cade McNamara hard enough to make it hard for him to throw the ball? He did drop off a ton after taking that hit, um, which resulted in an injection to one of Rutgers' best players. I will say that as for the sample size issue, it is why I look at the advanced numbers and rankings with a little bit more skepticism than I do for basketball. Mm -hmm. Um, I am definitely not an anti-analytics guy by any means. I love my numbers, but I think it's important to know what those numbers mean. And yeah, to your, to your point, Ace, you can make it to the end of a season and be like, I don't know if this team was good or not. <laughs> There's a lot of weird stuff happened, a lot of contradictory information. And over the course of 12 games, that really isn't a lot to go on. Um, and then, yes. Was, was the Michigan team under Brady Hoke that won the Sugar Bowl, were they good? The best Michigan team in the last 15 years. <laughs> Yeah, Ace, I, I, also, I also agree with that. Um, I agree with, with what Alex is saying. Um, I think that the advanced metrics are probably like still the best way. Well, the best way to gauge how good a team is is just look at the Vegas lines because they know better than anyone. Um, but the second best way is to look at you know SP Plus or, or whatever your favorite metric is because there you, we, we only get, in college football, you only get 12 data points every season and I guess 13 if you want to count bowls whatever 12 data points and only maybe three of those are what you would consider are against what you would consider like good teams right and so I do think that you know the, the advanced the advanced analytics have to basically you know 
take what you do against bad teams and extrapolate it out to, hey, what would this be against an average team? What would this be against a good team, right? And that's how you have to do analytics. Like I'm not, I'm not, so I'm not taking a shot mm-hmm. at SP plus or any other analytics. Um, but I do think in football, kind of like Alex said, unlike basketball, there becomes a point where Alabama or Ohio State is not just a better version on the same continuum as a team like Western Michigan, right? It's just not, it becomes a different thing. It becomes a different challenge. Teams like that challenge you in different ways that I don't think you can just say, oh, well, seven points against Western Michigan, that's about 27 points against Ohio State. Like, I truly do think that there are things you can't quantify um, when you're talking about football, especially in small sample sizes. Um, and so, you know, that's, that's why I think it's, it's, it is really hard to know what a team is. Um, and it leads us to do things like totally throwing out the first three games and looking at, you know, the la- not even the whole game, the, fir- the last five the drives against, yeah. against Rutgers, because that's the most recent thing we've seen. And it's the most, and honestly, it's the thing that comports most with like, you know, our fears, <laughs> like our deep-seated expectations. Fears. Right, exactly. So anyway, uh, a long, long-winded way to say the exact same thing you guys just did. <laughs> well, the proverbial the proverbial computers don't have the same recency bias issues as, as we do as humans or even as AP poll voters ha- uh, do. But yeah, I actually um, dug into the S&P Plus numbers and really broke them down. I think this was eight years ago. Um, and then there is value there. They do a great job of trimming out garbage time, um, which there's been a lot of garbage time for Michigan this season, and it's been a great thing. So I don't want to say dismiss those numbers out of hand. Um, it's always important to contextualize. Yeah, I mean, you can look at it and go, um, it's fair to have, say, like, is Ohio State the third best team in the country? I don't know, but uh, talent-wise and with the – you know, like they're they're not third in the AP poll, but they're third in SP plus. And if I had to guess how it would shake out at the end, which one is what's most likely? I still think, despite all their flaws, Ohio State's more likely than you know Penn State or certainly like Arizona State and UCLA hanging out there at three and one. Um, but uh, and certainly Cincinnati, who's ranked above them right now, um, or Arkansas. Like it's just there. There are things where SP Plus is really useful. I will say Michigan fans are are, um, I would say as acutely aware of its shortcomings in terms of being able to extrapolate like how a win versus Rutgers compares to like like what that portends for your game against Ohio State. Um, I don't know if anybody's more acutely aware of that than Michigan fans, given how the Ohio State rivalry has gone. As uh, Bill Connolly pointed out on Twitter, we are like the only fan base that uh, gets really angry at him if he says the team is good. Um, And I do still think that this team is good. Um, It's just that good in college football still means you might end up with four losses at the end of the season. And, you know, what, like, the question here is like, I mean, is it the the other thing I'm trying to keep? in mind throughout all this is that this is the first season in a while where Ohio State really has looked quite mortal in a way that um, is different from previous years where they, you know, didn't dominate as much as you might normally expect. Um, but you have to go back uh, 
you know, I, probably before Harbaugh to that uh, 2014 Virginia Tech game uh, before you and yes, Ohio State turned it around quite well from that one and won the national title. But uh, this team, uh, that that team did not fire their defensive coordinator in or demote him in all but name after two games um, and have a player quit in the middle of a game against Akron. Uh, Ohio State has some extremely bad vibes right now, and I want to be able to enjoy that. And part of that is holding on to what I think is a very reasonable idea that uh, by no means do I think Michigan is going to be favored in that game, but I do think that Michigan absolutely has a chance and, like, not just a you know a puncher's chance in hell, but like an actual chance, and and that's uh, I mean compared to previous, it, you know, Michigan would have won in everything, but I am glad that game wasn't played. <laughs> it would be fun to say that Ohio State hasn't beat Michigan in two years um, and start like counting the days and everything. That would be a fun <laughs> you got you got to set up a Twitter bot to say it has yeah. been X days, <laughs> it's been X plus one days, it has been yeah, yeah exactly. I, I mean, I think we're all holding on to that hope that Michigan uh, 2021 version can get up there on the same tier as that magical 2011 Brady Hoke team, uh, which beat Ohio State. Uh, I, I I don't actually think that that was the best team in the last 15 years. No. But if you look at them at the end of the season, yeah, if you look at them at the end of the season, won a uh, a BCS bowl back when the BCS still existed, and and totally pulled a horseshoe out of their asses in that game, um, and also had the fortune of running up against the worst Ohio State team in like 50 years. Uh, so yeah, I think I think 2016 is better. But hey, you know, a little 2011 magic. Uh, it's 10 years later. Why not? Yeah, I mean, and that's like, yeah, we're kind of wired and uh, trained after the last several years to look at it like, you know, um, well, if it it goes this way and we don't get the breaks, then it's going to be really bad. And it's like, well, you know, every once in a while, I I mean, I don't know, it it sounds sad to be like, at some point, Michigan's got to get the breaks when, you know, it's been very long time since it felt like that's happened. But if you go around and ask like fans of other teams, I would say there are a couple times where they certainly thought Michigan got a a break here or there. Um, Ask an Indiana fan. Uh, um, They certainly remember a couple, uh, even from like the Rich Rod years. Um, So, I don't know. Like, it's college football. It's a weird game. I don't know. I'm trying to appreciate that like you know, yes, Michigan had a, a crappy game against Rutgers, but like Iowa barely pulled out a, a, a win against a team that's now, I think, one and three in Colorado State and is legit terrible. Uh, like Ohio State, again, had a guy quit in the middle of their freaking game and has demoted their defense coordinator. Um, like, if you're holding the, like teams to the standard that, that Michigan fans are, um, there might not be a good team in the conference. So, because Ohio State very much has their holes, uh, particularly in the back end of the defense and uh, possibly a quarterback. I don't know. Uh, but it's worth keeping an eye on. Uh, we should also talk about, unfortunately, um, trying to figure out what the hell that offensive game plan was. Um, because I had, I really thought that, that Josh Gaddis and Jim Harbaugh were kind of building towards something with the first few games and that they had held a lot back because they didn't have to show much, but 
once you're in a one-score game in the second half, um, you are kind of hoping that they're going to show a little bit more. So it's how much... interesting yeah. because I feel like in the first half the offensive game plan was great. Um, first drive, 17 plays, almost all runs, ran it right at them. Uh, showed off some nice RPOs. Um, got you know three points off of a you know short clock two-minute drill situation, and then I think the main problem is that they just kind of planned on sitting on the ball and then couldn't shift gears up fast enough. Um, I think there was one drive where they threw on first and second down and they had plays that were there, but Cade missed the receivers and they would have had to make really difficult catches. Um, and, you know, eventually they did kind of get the ball moving with uh, dart, which is a play that, you know, Blake Corum kind of runs a quick sweep and just basically outruns an unblocked defensive end. That was kind of nice to see as, as a changeup, but yeah, there was at least one or two um, drives in the second half that it's just like, okay, we're just trying to run clock and give you the ball back. Yeah, I mean, I I do feel like this is the one thing that I'm sorry at this point in the Harbaugh uh, the uh, this point in the in the Harbaugh um, era is just not going to change. This is a feature of of Jim a Jim Harbaugh program is that when they get into close games that he feels like, you know, I would say it's, it's different when you get into close games that you maybe feel like you, you, you're the underdog, but when Jim Harbaugh gets into a close game that shouldn't be close, where Michigan is favored, it does feel like things do clench up a little bit, and there's a little bit of like, let's just run the ball and go home. And um, I wish it wasn't the case, and, and a lot of, I mean, the vast majority of the time, like, you know, the one thing Jim Harbaugh has done is he's actually has beaten teams that he should beat at a pretty impressive clip. Um, I, I don't think they've, until, if, if we throw out 2020, he basically has never lost to uh, a really, like, inexplicable team. Um, but, you know, you got to throw out 2020, which is a whole other discussion. Um, no, I wish you. I could, man. Never have. Yeah, wish I, I could. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, but, you know, to get back on point, I mean, it's just... It, that is something that I feel like is going to be a feature of, of this program as long as Jim Harbaugh's coach. And they can win in spite of it sometimes, but um, it's it, it can be frustrating. Um, and, you know, I think if he, if he hasn't learned the lesson at this point, it's, it's probably not something that's going to happen. I don't know if either of you guys feel differently, but... It's it's making me feel so old that uh, we have been talking about this subject for this long and nobody has said the term Lloyd Ball. Yeah, I was going to say that that sounds very, very familiar or or Trestle Ball. Um, I know that both of those guys might have been before dance time, but you, you, you know what those two guys happen to have in common? National championships. I'm not saying Michigan's going to win one this year, but like being conservative, especially when like you're beating a team that you should beat. Um, is kind of a hallmark of football coaches, and like you, you feel pretty good if you have one who doesn't go into a shell. Um, in certain situations, I mean, less freaking miles has won a title. Um, like at, at some point, you just got to give in to the chaos and hope that the chaos breaks your way at some point. And uh, like, like Rutgers isn't a god awful team, and and I think. That is something that is really, I, I know we've already run down this a fair amount, but like um, this was a team where once you get out to a 20 to three lead, like kind of sitting on it makes, it makes a certain amount of sense. But then this was a relatively low possession game where 
Um, when Michigan thought they were going to be able to dial it up, uh, McNamara missed a couple passes or they got behind the change a little bit and suddenly you're giving the ball back to Rutgers and they have a chance to tie the game. Um, but the defense held strong. It did not, like like I said, it did not really feel like Michigan was ever in serious, serious danger of losing this game. I mean, yeah, it wasn't like defeat was imminent. I think there were definitely some bad vibes when it was 20 to 13 and Rutgers was marching the ball a little bit. Um, as for conservative coaching, I do agree that it, it is pretty common, although I think the overall strategy has changed a little bit more towards mm-hmm. the, the Madden style in recent years in terms of like going forward on fourth and short or whatever. Um, but I think, I think Harbaugh does that. Like, yeah, Harbaugh that, that does do a good job. Issue yeah. with him. No, yeah. I think his, um, his Kirk Ferentz is... Yeah, Kirk Ferentz is really the only one flying <laughs> the Lloyd Ball flag still in 2021. And maybe uh, Pat Fitzgerald. But mm. yeah, I think... There are some schematic things that popped up in the second half that I didn't really like. So, for example, um, you know, Rutgers is selling out against the run. And we figured, okay, we've run through three opponents leading the nation rushing. Eventually, a team is really going to try to take the run and be able to do so. Can Michigan beat them with the pass? Um, the answer in the second half of that Rutgers game was no. But as Michigan continued to run into stack boxes, we saw a lot of two tight end sets a lot of just heavy run formations, bringing down more guys into the box. And I think, you know, from a conservative standpoint, maybe not in terms of game decisions, but Harbaugh really does love to bring out an extra offensive lineman or maybe put in some tight ends, even if the running game isn't working. Which um, is why you get a pass to Joel Honigford in there. <laughs> yeah, a converted offensive lineman got more targets than the best slot receiver on the team, and that's a very Harbaugh thing, and not in a good way. Um yeah, I, I just I don't think stuff like that is going to change, really. I think the whole idea of speed and space is kind of a, a joke almost a little bit because oh, Michigan... I wouldn't go that far. I wouldn't go that far at all. OK, they, Mich- they've been running like a whole bunch of side to side stuff with AJ Henning before this. They've used Blake Corm out of the slot. Like, I mean, I guess it depends on what you wanted to find as speed and space. But like they've got plenty of spread elements to this offense and plenty of ways to get the ball to playmakers. They just didn't use them in this game. I think the the five wide sets and 11 personnel with quorum and all that kind of telegraphs pass a little too much to me. And that, that gets like the West coast stuff. It's um, worked. Yeah. Wh- whether we want to d- debate Henning end arounds and tight end I, I, as, as speed and space, or, I don't think it's the type of vertical spread that we saw um, or that we, they're also s- taking vertical back. is averaging 10 yards in attempt. He's had two big pass plays this season. What what do you want? <laughs> like I mean, that's that's kind of my question. Is like when the running game is uh, until this week, like the best in the country, and you barely have to throw, and then half the pass plays you dial up are wide open deep shots that your quarterback hits. Like, what do you want? Okay, I don't know that half of the the plays have been wide open deep shots, but all of that is to say, I guess what I was trying to get at is that Michigan does like to bring on the beef and try to run the ball, even if it's not working. Yeah, I think, and I think something that I do just think like they, when they have gone play action, like, like Ace has said, you know, when they've gone play action, it's, it's been open. And I don't think it's unfair to say that they should do that more. Not because, not just because it's like, you know, oh, I want to see more passing as a matter of um, 
principle or just like ideology. They should do that more because it's the best way to run the offense. And they've every time they've brought it out, it's been like a chunk play. And they have extremely talented players at those positions. And there's no reason that, you know, we shouldn't be trying to trying to do that more. Um, and I do think there's something to be said for the fact that I do think the speed and space stuff comes out against teams that Michigan knows it's going to beat. And I think that when it comes to crunch time, like that's like I was saying earlier, I don't think that Harbaugh is as comfortable running a lot of that stuff in crunch time than, you know, as he is, you know, when when the team's up by 21 points against Western Michigan. So I think that Harbaugh, I think that they, they need to be they need to be ready to run that stuff against teams that matter. And, you know, we'll see uh, the, the, uh, this weekend against Wisconsin. You know, the, the good part is, like, we're not going to have to wait long to dis- to figure out, you know, what the actual offensive philosophy is because it's not going to be a walkover this weekend, even if, you know, Graham Mertz, we, we can, we're going to get more into it later, I'm sure. But it's not going to be a walkover, and they're going to have to run. They're going to have to open things up um, in a game that matters in a hostile environment. So, you know, we'll see, right? Yeah, I, I, I do think Harbaugh has actually broken out uh, some of his more impressive game plans on offense against higher competition. I think the bigger worry with him is what we saw in this game, which is not doing anything interesting against teams he, think he, should, he thinks he should beat and Lloyd balling it, and then suddenly you're in a seven-point game with Rutgers in the second half. Because um, we know they've got play action in this offense. Uh, we know they've got downfield shots in this offense. We saw them in the first three games. Um they just didn't take much in this game. And then the downfield passes they did take in the second half, they missed. Um, but uh, I think we've talked enough about uh, that aspect of thing of things. Um, we were going to discuss the sicko factor of the Big Ten West. I think that can just be rolled into this week's picks because uh, we're going to discuss several Big Ten West games. And as you're going to notice, all of them are disgusting because as it turns out, there's not a single combination of Big Ten West teams that results in a good matchup of the, for a football game. It's just not possible. Um, last week, Alex led the way. He was 4-1 and one on his picks. Um, the rest of us went 3-2, and two, so this was a, uh, a very strong week for the, uh, the site in, in terms of uh, predicting things. Um, the absent Con- Connor Southard is our current overall leader at 11-9-1. Uh, Dan is exactly 500. Um, actually, I take that back. Alex, percentage-wise, is leading us at 9-7-1. Um, and he has shown discipline in, in staying away from certain picks. I have not, which is why I'm 8-11-1. But uh, that's an improvement over where I was before. So let's, uh, let's think about the future on those. We'll, we'll, we'll work on building. Um, first game up this week is a Friday nighter. Um Iowa at Maryland, that sounds gross, and it is, um, but uh, could be rather interesting. This game has Iowa favored by three and a half points over under uh, a rather low 48. Um, I uh, I actually grabbed this one uh, when Maryland was plus four, and while I, you know, you don't want to give up points as they, as they move closer, um, when you're on the plus side of things. Uh, I still like that number at three and a half. I really am not a strong believer in Iowa, uh, yet. Um, I just, 
I have a lot of skepticism about that offense with Spencer Petrus, um, Petrus, sorry, um, by SP plus, which, uh, I think you can trust more when you get kind of towards the extremes in a lot of ways. Um, Iowa ranks 91st in offense, um, They've generated a lot off of turnovers and pick sixes and uh, short fields and whatever. And uh, Maryland has uh, a passing offense that I think can uh, do a lot of work against Iowa's two-deep scheme. And uh, I would even consider um, Maryland's money line, but uh, given the fact that this is a game between Iowa and Maryland, uh, I, I think I'll be a little conservative and grab the points here. Um, Alex, what's your pick? I actually did take the Maryland money line uh, plus 155. Um, Part of that is because I took some underdogs and and regretted not taking the money line on those games last week. Um, To your point, I do trust Iowa as a program much more than Maryland, but also think Iowa is pretty overrated currently. And I think Vegas thinks the same. So yeah, why not uh, take the team with the better quarterback in Maryland? Yeah, I'm going to take Iowa as well. Uh, Oh, sorry. I think I'm actually the only one that's taking Iowa. So sorry about that. Um, (laughs) I'm going to take Iowa um, because uh, I I think Iowa's overrated. Obvi- I mean, they obviously are overrated. It's not even it's not even really a question. They're they're clearly not as good as you know their their uh, current AP poll ranking. Um, but I also don't really trust Maryland. We saw this team almost lose to Illinois a week ago. Um, and oh, am I being too loud? Oh, no, you, no, oh, no, you're, no, no, oh, no. I, I, was, try, I was trying to get us to forget that that happened. <laughs> um, yeah, no, they almost lost Illinois a couple weeks ago. Um, and uh, I think that Iowa runs a zone scheme that's going to frustrate these really talented wide receivers. Um, they're not going to actually ask their, their athletes to match up with uh, Maryland's wide receivers in space. Um, they're going to dominate on the front because Maryland still has the same awful offensive line they have every year. Um, so, yeah, do I trust Iowa? No, but I trust Maryland a lot less. And, yeah, just generally, I think Maryland's kind of underperformed this year, even though they're like three and one kind of. Um, so, anyway, yeah, Iowa. All right. Someone's got to have faith in Kirk Ferentz, I guess. Um, Michigan, plus one at Wisconsin. Um, this one has moved around a little bit. Uh, the over-under for this game is a uh, rather gross 43 and a half um i actually bet this game uh with the opening line which was michigan plus two and a half because that felt uh, a bit much uh for a team quarterbacked by graham mertz uh to be getting two and a half points uh i'd still be pretty comfortable betting michigan as an underdog and probably up until the point that they became a multi-point favorite um I also kind of like the under in this game because I think it might just be a really horrifyingly Oof. bad game. Uh, but I, I I would not bet the total in this one. Uh, I will stick with my Michigan point, my Michigan spread uh, bet, and I'm glad I got them at two and a half. Uh, but uh, at this point, you might also want to just consider the money line, uh, especially when it's at plus one um, and just uh, sacrifice that that point in in favor of uh, getting a little bit more on the return. Um, Alex, what was your pick? I uh, 
was I, I feel like Michigan is going to win this game. I think Wisconsin's looked terrible this year. I don't want to overstate the second half of the Rutgers game. I think Michigan's a better team. And yes, haven't won a Madison in a long time. Yes, Harbaugh, not such a great track record in, in road games. But I I feel good about Michigan. Um, I got them at minus one. Uh, I see that Dan is changing his picks in the Google Doc <laughs> as we read these. Second straight one. Yeah, so it's a little hard <laughs> to get a good read on where everybody else uh, stands, I guess. Um, also, Maryland is 4-0. You got to give some respect to the Terps. Uh, but, yeah, I like Michigan. I think Harbaugh has a good game plan. I think Michigan was looking forward to this game, looking past Rutgers a little bit. Um, yeah, go blue. Yeah. So I'm. So yeah. I've been. I've been switching back and forth. Um. So I mean, this is a, essentially a pick. I'm. You know, plus minus one. Um. So I am. I'm gonna go with Michigan. Um. I don't feel good about it just because I. Uh, you know, I think the Harbaugh on the road thing is real. Uh. As as much as I hate to admit it. Um. So you know, I'm. I'm loath to like put my faith in Michigan on the road. Um. I think Michigan is a better team than Wisconsin. I think. Wisconsin's offense just looks horrible. Um, you know, if Michigan can stop the run, which the run hasn't even been particularly good for Wisconsin this year, but, you know, Michigan has so shown some cracks definitely up front. You know, I mean, teams have been able to run the ball against Michigan more than we might like. Not as bad as last year, but, you know, more than we might like. Um, so... It, it, once they get, if they can just get this team into third and long, I, I, their Graham Mertz is just not going to have success consistently against maybe any defense all year, but definitely a confusing zone scheme. Um, I think one of the bigger questions is like Wisconsin's one and two. They're coming off. They, they their defense seems elite, but you know they might be getting frustrated with the offense because it's this this team seems like it's probably pretty demoralized. They they got. They they ended up you know playing a pretty a game that was ugly and then ended in a lopsided score against Notre Dame, um, and then they're you know it's going to be 11 a.m. local time. How how much is the crowd really into it? If the team's one and two and has looked pretty bad, um, you know those are all factors. Like if we were going into a, a like a, a ranked and normal looking Wisconsin team um, with a full uh, a full what oh my gosh what's the name of their stadium uh, Camp Randall. A full Camp Randall, um, you know, like rocking, I'd feel pretty bad. But I think this could end up kind of being like a, a, a pretty down year for Wisconsin. I mean, almost certainly going to be a down year for Wisconsin. And this team might end up kind of looking like one of those um, late-era D'Antonio teams that Michigan managed to beat on the road um, every time. So, yeah, I guess give me Michigan. I'm feeling um, – I feel not great about it, but I do think Michigan's the better team. It already is kind of a down year for them relative to the program standard. They, I think they will have chance uh, to rack up some wins against the Big Ten West, but yeah, it looks like a six or seven win team to me. Yeah, and we should mention that Notre Dame game last weekend at Soldier Field, which uh, ostensibly was a, like kind of a half-and-half half deal um, in terms of fans and attendance. Um, that was a 13-10 to 10 game uh, with Wisconsin winning uh, in the fourth quarter. And Notre Dame won forty-one to thirteen, so that one got away real fast and real bad in a in a way that was uh, you could kind of feel the floodgates beginning to open, and then um, man, it it got really really ugly from there. 
Yeah, it uh, looked like a, a game of Madden where you're just desperately trying to come back. Yeah, and you're, yeah, you're getting exactly. pissed. You're you're throwing <laughs> it down the field, and yeah, Wisconsin unfortunately could not quit before the merge and group. Yeah, Graham Mertz was hitting buttons just at, at random at some point towards the end <laughs> yeah. of that game. Um, Minnesota plus two and a half at Purdue. Uh, I, this line might move uh, by the time this comes out. I, I have a feeling um, because. Minnesota is coming off just an absolutely hideous performance. Um, so I have got uh, Purdue. Um, I don't exactly have a ton of faith in, in the Boilermakers as like a decent team, but there is, uh, I mean, losing 14 to 10 to Bowling Green is that might stand up as the worst result by a power five team at the end of this season. So that's what Minnesota did last week. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, that was horrible. (laughs) So I was, I was pretty surprised to see this line to be that low, to be honest. Yeah. I'm going to go with Purdue because Purdue's look, looked competent this year. Um, They stuck in there pretty, pretty well with Notre Dame. Um, (laughs) Also, uh, also I have to, I don't know. I I, look, I, I, you know, she's listening right now. And um, they, they didn't get the cover, but they did beat Illinois. Yeah, they so came they back against Illinois. Illinois. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I'm going Purdue here. I took the under, um, sicko Big Ten West under. It just feels like the spiritually correct bet to make. Yeah, I'm sorry. The uh, total in this game is 47.5. So, yeah, that is a, a rather gross under to, to pick. But at the same time, uh, Minnesota scored 10 points against Bowling Green. Yes, and Purdue scored 13 points against Illinois in a victory. Yeah, I've actually already bet Purdue minus two and a half, and I might circle back around and also take that under. I'm not sure yet. We'll see how it goes. Um, this is one where I bet the total and stayed, a hell the, way, stayed the hell away from the spread. Um, Ohio State favored by 15 at Rutgers. <laughs> I, I hate it. I, I absolutely hate it because um, Ohio State, has a ton of firepower on offense. Rutgers has a pretty decent defense. Ohio State has a ton of potential on defense um, that has not uh, come together in any way whatsoever. Uh, Rutgers functional on offense, but probably not very good. Um, but that might be enough to score some on Ohio State. Uh, totals 58 and a half. I'm taking the over just based on the fact that Ohio State might might score 50 on their own, even while not playing very well. Um Alex, I see you've written nope, so we can we can move right on past that. Uh, Dan, uh, you have a pick in for this one. Yeah, so I'm actually going to go just Ohio State minus 15 um, because uh, I don't think Rutgers put all of the – they kind of emptied the bag trying to beat Michigan last week in terms of, like, putting stuff on film they hadn't shown yet. Um, so they – yeah, I don't know. I think, I think Ohio State's going to score probably a billion points and cover and – and do enough on defense to, um, you know, make Noah Vidral look like uh, he has for most of the season. I mm. want to take Rutgers plus 15, but I just can't. Yeah, I mean, that's that's where I'm at with this game is that I would feel very silly if I lost bet on that spread because um, my body recoils looking at that line. Um Speaking of which, uh, Northwestern plus 12 at Nebraska – over under of 50. This is our sickos game of the week. Somehow beating out uh, Purdue, Minnesota. 
Um, this is, uh, uh, I would say, an argument for early lines because Nebraska, um, I think a lot of people got a look at them uh, early in the season, you know, in that week zero game against Illinois and completely wrote them off. And they've actually not been too bad since then. Adrian Martinez has been throwing the ball a whole lot better. Um, Northwestern, on the other hand, looks freaking terrible. Um, so I got Nebraska at minus 10.5, which felt great. Minus 12, I I would feel a little more nervous about it, but I think I would still take them. Um, the uh, total uh, scares the heck out of me. Uh, but Alex, you have dared to, uh, to to wager a bet there. Yeah, I think this was the correct call for the sicko game of the week. Um, I think literally every game between Big Ten West teams is a sicko game on some level. Uh, Again, got to go with the under there. Northwestern is just so bad, and I think Nebraska's defense is pretty good. Uh, So over under 50, I think Nebraska is going to win pretty comfortably, but I also think the under is going to hit. Yeah, it's kind of hard to imagine Northwestern scoring more than 20 points. Yeah, I don't know, Dan. Uh, yeah, I think Nebraska it has to win one of these games. It feels like they have to take their um, uh, they have to they have to take their um frustration out on someone. And uh, I they 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 looked much better than Michigan State for basically the entire game uh, last Saturday. And Northwestern has looked awful. So and it's at home. So yeah, I'm I'm going with no. I'm going with Nebraska minus the points. It's uh that's one of those where Vegas seems to be telling you which one which team is actually better even if uh people uh haven't caught up to it yet. Um another one where that might be the case, um Indiana plus twelve and a half at Penn State over under fifty three and a half. I believe this opened uh more in the Penn State favored by ten range. Um but uh Indiana's been real, real bad. Um Real bad, and and Sean Clifford has been surprisingly good. Penn State's running game has actually not been particularly great, but uh, their passing game has has been excellent. And uh, I guess credit to Clifford, uh, also a lot of credit to Jahan Dotson uh, there. Um, so uh, in, Indiana just looks like a team that is in relative shambles because they can get nothing going on offense. Uh, Michael Penix just... Uh, is statistically the worst quarterback in the Big Ten right now, which is uh, statistically not a very good uh, thing to be because um, this league is uh, not uh, possessing a ton of great quarterbacks right now. So I will take Penn State, even though uh, 12.5 points is uh, a rather high number. Um, I would probably not bet this one in real life. I did wind up betting this one in real life. Um, I do bet all of the picks on this show, which is why I did not pick the Ohio State Rutgers game. <laughs> I got Penn State at minus 10.5, and, and yeah, Indiana's bad. Penn State's good. Penn State's at home. Not much more complicated than that. Good to grab those early numbers. Uh, Dan? So I will uh, I will be at this game. Um, I uh, My brother goes to Penn Turn State. Coat. Oh, yeah. No, I'm... Um, so this, I'm, ex- I'm excited for this game. should be fun. Um, I'm excited to go to a Penn State game that's not a Michigan game uh, so I can just actually like enjoy the crowd. Um, it's going to be a night game. It's going to be their stripe out, which is kind of like their secondary whiteout. Um, so, yeah, I 
I want to be clear that when I was making fun of Indiana and Michael Penix all offseason, I did not think they'd actually be this bad. Um, so I don't, I don't want any of that like put on my plate. Um, I didn't mean to make Michael Phoenix just like the worst quarterback in the big <laughs> he time. He hated on them so much. Yeah. Bad about it. Yeah, he read all my tweets. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I'm going to go Penn State minus the points. Um, also, they're going to be hungry for revenge because, uh, you know, they, they, they feel like they got unjustly screwed out of a game last year, which, I mean, you know, they, they probably did, but, you know, whatever. They did, but on a podcast sponsored by homefieldapparel.com, I got to say that uh, Phoenix made it to the pylon on fourth down. <laughs> uh, I am a true sicko in that uh, I have thrown in a bonus bet here because I actually played this one in real life, and that is Charlotte getting 11 points at Illinois because both these teams are not very good at all. Um, but uh, Charlotte has already uh, beaten Duke this year. Uh, they beat uh, vaunted uh, uh, school, Middle Tennessee State, um, and was at least uh, sort of competitive at Georgia State. So um, I don't know. Uh, I just think Illinois is like really not very good, and in, until they show otherwise, I'm willing to take a team that's getting double-digit points against them when uh, – these advanced numbers are saying that they are not particularly far apart. Um, it's funny. I feel like Nebraska is not quite as bad as their two and three record may indicate, but that loss to Illinois is going to look oof. really, really bad at the end. Worse than it looked at brutal. the time. Brutal. Um, now, Illinois' record may also look unfairly bad because, like, UTSA is actually a good team, uh, but people are going to look at that game. Uh, kind of like how when you look at a game against Rutgers and you only beat them by seven, and you're like, well, that's terrible. Um, losing to uh, the University of Texas San Antonio just does not look good on, on the schedule, no matter what. Um, and the other problem is that Illinois is bad. Yeah, Brandon P. I just want to say, I, 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 in terms of my pick, my pick for this game, I will go with uh, Charlotte. Um, but for, I, I didn't mean say, to even have you guys. Oh, pick sorry. This. No, <laughs> I, I just no, want to this say this is my sicko throw-in. I'm sorry <laughs> okay. to, to put that on uh, you guys. I'll just say that <laughs> Brandon Peters has looked so bad. I mean, I know that he's been playing. Poor, poor Brandon Peters has gotten beat up behind some really awful offensive lines in his time in college. But he just he looks worse than his first game in Michigan. Like he has not gotten any better. He looks totally unsure and just like it doesn't look like he has arm strength anymore. It's just like it's kind of sad to see, honestly. And and yeah, this 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 Illinois team is is absolutely more bound. So um, yeah, the, yeah, the Big Ten broke that man. No way around it. I'm shocked he came back for another year after his injury history and. Yeah, not looking good. I am not um, enough of a degenerate to bet Charlotte plus 11, but I would take that bet too. <laughs> yeah, well, I guess I am. Uh, and yeah, it feels bad because Brandon Peters has definitely just been like dinged up to the point where he is just no longer even remotely effective. And it's uh, not fun to watch, but um, I will fade that. And uh, on that note, um, that's it for this week's show. Uh, please... Follow at Bucket Problem on Twitter. Um, subscribe to the newsletter at thebucketproblem.com. Uh, we will have uh, our bonus podcast this week. Uh, we'll feature a special guest, and we'll focus on previewing the Wisconsin game. So um, 
There's a reason we didn't do a whole segment on that, and that is because we'll be doing a whole podcast on that. Um, so please rate us, review us, um, use the promo code BucketProblem at HomeFieldApparel.com. Uh, contact the bucket problem at gmail.com for any advertising inf- inquiries. And uh, thank you so much for listening to the show. Have a good week. <laughs>